If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 10, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, uh, verses 30 through 37. We will have those up on the screen, and uh, any supporting verses will be up there as well. Uh, Luke, chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. Well, I I trust that you uh, had an amazing Thanksgiving day, uh, feasting, many of you with family and friends. Uh, I especially pray that you took the opportunity to continue developing a Thanksgiving life. Amen. Uh, I also hope that you've been trying to take the challenge from the message last week to heart. Again, complaining truly is the opposite of Thanksgiving. You don't know how many times I stop myself. Listen, your pastor struggles uh, to, to live it out, but we do. We are asking the Lord for, for grace and, and help on that, that uh, we don't have to complain. Amen. Uh, whether we realize it or not, it's easy to do, but most of us are very blessed. How many of you would say, I'm blessed? I'm blessed. Amen. Uh, so listen, let's be intentional about our Thanksgiving beyond the month of November. Uh, you've done a great job. You'll uh, continue here till the end, but I hope that you'll go even further because we really do have a lot to be grateful for. Amen. Uh, some of you know that Cross Point Church, at Cross Point Church, our mission is to lead people to the cross so that Jesus Christ becomes the center of their lives. And if you didn't know, you know now. Uh, out of that mission statement over the years, we have developed as a church some core values uh, for our church that, that guide and dictate our behavior. Uh, if you've taken the membership class, you, you're, this is going to sound familiar to you because we talk about it there. Uh, for example, at Crosspoint, we like to say that every person matters. Every person matters because we believe that all people really do matter to God. We also say that each one reach one because each of us, you and I, we are all commanded to go into all the world, to share Jesus and to make disciples. That's not just my job. That's our job. Amen. That's our mission. Each one reach one. We also like to say this one you might hear more often is together we're better, right? Together we're better because together you and I, all of us are stronger than we are when we're all alone. We also say that we're saved to serve. We're saved to serve because God saved us in part to work for his glory by serving our fellow man and by serving every opportunity that he gives us. And then finally, we also like to say that we're blessed to be a... One more time, we're blessed to be a what? Everything we have comes from God. And so when we bless others, we are being generous just like our God. And today I want us to talk a little bit deeper about that that blessed life because we are truly blessed to be a blessing. But before we do, I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. We're going to pray, ask God to prepare these hearts to receive this word. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we do thank you, Lord, for uh, the worship time that we had. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for the testimonies that have come forth. Uh, We especially thank you for the word of God that, Lord, now you are, by your Holy Spirit, going to teach us. You're going to encourage us. You're going to counsel us. And, And so, Lord, we open our minds. We open our hearts. We open our whole being to you and allow your Holy Spirit to do a work inside of us that only you can do, God. And so, Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Go to to that text, Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. The Bible says, uh, Jesus is speaking to a lawyer when he says in verse 30, 
that a certain man went uh, from, from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. And now by chance a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, he came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal. He brought him to an inn and he took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took two denarii. I'll say this, I'm not going to get into all the details of it, but two denarii is more than enough to pay for what he was about to pay for. He gave the two denarii to the innkeeper and he said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Verse 36 so which of these three, Jesus said, do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he, the lawyer said, he who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Listen, in, in verse 25, a few verses before the text that we just read, the, the man who happens to be a, a religious expert, a, a, an expert in religious law, he asked Jesus in verse 25, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's, that's where this whole thing began. What shall I do to inherit eternal life was the question. And then in verse 26, Jesus responds by actually asking the lawyer a question. He said, he said to him, what is written in the law? What is written in the law? And what a great question to ask a lawyer. And well, the lawyer, obviously, he knows the scripture and he answers in verse 27, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so listen, Jesus commends the lawyer because he answered the, the question correctly. But the conversation, listen, the conversation doesn't end there. See, the lawyer wants more and he wants to go deeper. In fact, the Bible says in verse 29 that he, the lawyer, he always, he wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replies the story of the Good Samaritan that you and I just read. That was his answer. Listen, in the story of the Good Samaritan, we find three distinct attitudes toward life. And if you think about it, you'll actually find those same attitudes in our world today. And see, I love it because the Bible is relevant no matter when you read it, no matter what situation you're in. If you read the Bible, the Bible has all of the answers. Anybody say amen to that? The Bible has all of the answers. It is relevant for today. It is not outdated. It is not some book of stories that means nothing. It is relevant. It is real. It is powerful. And so the first attitude that we find in our story is that of the thieves. And they had an attitude, and maybe you're, you'll be familiar with this, what's yours is mine. That was the attitude of the thieves. What is yours is mine. Anyone ever here ever been robbed? Serious, any of you ever been robbed? A couple of hands, all right. 
A few years back, uh, my family and I, we experienced a, a home invasion. And listen, it's never a good feeling to be robbed, but to have a home invasion, we were at home. Uh, thank God for his grace and his protection. We were upstairs. We had the air conditioners and each of the windows going. And so someone came into our house. Uh, someone shuffled through all of our stuff. Uh, my son uh, had just been given all kinds of money for his birthday. Uh, we, had, we live on envelopes. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we don't live off credit cards. We don't uh, put anything on that. And so we had our money. We had just been uh, divided our money, and we had our money there. And guess what was gone in the, the next morning? All of the money for our rent, all of the money for our bills, all of my son's uh, you know, money. And so it's not a good feeling at all. And listen, as the victim, you, you feel totally violated. And, and this is a, a horrible, the horrible attitude that, leads, that led to this is that attitude, what's yours is mine, right? It's exactly what makes you uh, feel that way, to feel violated. And see, these guys, the thieves in our story, they had an attitude that as long as they were the bullies on the block, they, they could take whatever they wanted. It was theirs. And the Bible doesn't pull any punches here. And it actually, it calls them thieves and robbers. And yet we might personally know people that all they do is take. Anybody know any takers this morning? People, they, they, that's all they do is they take, but we wouldn't necessarily call them thieves. Instead, we might call them takers, right? Takers, but, but really the attitude is the same, or it feels the same. Uh, what's yours is mine. See, clearly people like this have an overpowering attitude of what's yours is mine, and I'm pretty certain that the Lord wants us to, to have nothing to do with that mindset. Nothing to do. And listen, the, uh, the second attitude that we find is that of the priest and the, the Levite. Both of them had the attitude that what's mine is mine. This is where, I, you know, and, and I need to be careful. I don't want to offend you this morning, but the truth is the truth. And so this is where a lot of us live. What's mine is mine. See, both the priest and the Levite, they had an attitude that, that since I earned it, since I worked for it, or since I have it in my possession, in my pockets, in my wallet, it all belongs to me. And if I'm not willing to give it to you, I have every right to keep it. What's mine is mine. I guess we, we could call this attitude stinginess. Unfortunately, we've all been guilty of this at one time or another. Now, think of a child at Christmas or during one of their early or first birthday parties. And in fact, try taking something from them. And what you might hear, what might you come, what might you hear come from their mouths if you try to take something from them? What would their words be? Mine. That's mine. Give it back. It's mine. Sadly, sometimes you and I are just like that. It's my time. It's my money. It's my talent. Why, why, would, why would I want it? Why should I share it? Lord, help us, but whether we realize it or not, we are, listen, we are robbing ourselves and others of a blessing by that horrible, selfish attitude because we're blessed to be a blessing and, and when, we, when we think we're not, it's actually sad. And then the third attitude that we find in this, te in this text is that of the Samaritan. On the contrary to the others, he had an attitude that said, 
What is mine is yours. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you might know someone and this is kind of the expression that we would use is, is they are amazing, generous people. They will give you the shirt off their, off their back. What's mine is yours. See, he, he is willing, the Samaritan, he is willing to use what he had for, for the good of others. He was willing to share his abilities. He was willing to sacrifice of his time and, and his resources for others. Uh, you know, he had the attitude of generosity. He realized for himself that he was blessed to be a blessing. I, I really believe that this is how the Lord wants us to live. He wants us to be that way. See, a Thanksgiving life begins with words, but we have said that actions always speak louder than words. Giving says that we are so thankful by all of the blessings of God that we choose not to hoard, that we choose not to hold on to anything too tightly because we recognize that what's, that, that what's mine is yours. If the Lord were to ask you, and this is how you can check your, your, what your attitude is, if the Lord were to ask you to give that thing that you hold so tightly, would you give it? That thing that you've been saving, that little nest egg. Whew, that's a hard one, Pastor Freddie. Some of us are approaching retirement or we're right there. Man, it better be God. In fact, we're going to lay out some fleeces. God, I want to make sure that this is all we've got. Are you sure you want us to give it? But a lot of times when you reach that point, you've already been tested in some small things. God has already spoken to you along the way, along life, and you've sacrificed at times and given things that you thought were yours, but you recognize that really it all belongs to God. It all, everything we have comes from the Lord. Everything we have comes from the Lord. Say everything. Everything we have comes from the Lord. It all really belongs to Him. But and I, listen, I face this every once in a while when I say it. People say, but, but, but how, Pastor Freddie? I work for it, I earn it, I buy it with my money, but remember, you're here by a miracle called birth. And you're breathing today because God gives you breath. And you get to work because God has provided a job. And guess what? You're alive today. You're still living in this moment and in this hour. Some of you are like, by a miracle, I know it. I, I, I should have killed myself. I, I could have killed myself by some of the things I have done in my life. But you are not. It is not your time yet. Because your time belongs to God. Even in that. So we're blessed to be a blessing. Listen, I think as we approach the Christmas season, we really need to keep this core value in mind. We're blessed to be a blessing. And so I want to give you five quick keys to becoming a, a blessing today if you struggle with it. And so number one, the first key to becoming a blessing is to respond to the needs around you. Respond to the needs around you. Folks, you don't have to go very far to see people in need, do you? You don't have to go very far. They're, they're all around you. Sometimes you live with them. Sometimes they're the neighbor next door. If you look at the story of the Good Samaritan again, notice that it says, as he journeyed, he saw him. As the Good Samaritan journeyed, he saw him. 
that was broken. He saw him who had just been robbed. What this means is that as he was going about his daily business, as he was traveling along life, as he was passing by, he ran across someone in need. Someone who was beat up. Someone who was beat down, left on the side of the road like a, like a piece of garbage, useless, worthless to the world, maybe even meaningless to some, but not to the Good Samaritan. His eyes were open. He sees a man lying on the side of the road. He, he sees that there's pain. He, he sees that there's suffering. He sees that there's a need. And so he responds, even in, in the busyness of his day, even as he journeyed alone, even though he, he probably had other plans for that day, and yet he stopped. I mean, he, he had, no, had no one else seen the man along the side of the road? Did, did others who, who couldn't or wouldn't be bothered just look away? Yes, some, some people looked away. Or some people looked his way and walked on the other side of the road. See, the story says that both the Levite and the priest, they saw him the man that had been robbed. They looked at him. They stared at him. They even moved out of the way. They passed on the other side of the road because of him. They made a conscious decision in that moment. Here is someone who is hurting. Here is someone who is broken. But if I don't look that way or, or I saw it, but I'm going to act like I didn't see it, I'm, I'm going to go on the other side of the road because maybe if I go on the other side of the road, I can pretend that what I just saw is not real. I can pretend that the hurting that is there that I could potentially help with is, is somebody else's problem. Not the Samaritan. He saw. He responded. Anybody ever miss something that's right in front of your face? <laughs> Listen. I don't know how many times I, I wear safety glasses at work and I'm, I, don't, I don't wear glasses so I'm not used to it and so I have walked around looking for my safety glasses. And now my coworker's like, oh, yeah, you know, okay. Listen, I get wrapped up in my own agenda sometimes my own busyness, and, and because of that, sometimes I walk through life as though I'm walking through a fog. I miss things that are sometimes right in front of my face like, like there's a mist out there and, and it only allows me to see so far, yet, yet there's so much more that I could see, so much more that I should see. See, sometimes I miss people who need help. I, I miss people who are hurting. I miss people who need to hear some good news, even the good news. Jesus says in John 4, 35, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Open your eyes and respond to the needs around you. Open your eyes. You are blessed to be a blessing, not to be a hoarder. Open your eyes. The message translation of that same verse says, well, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look of what's right in front of you. These fields are ripe. It's harvest time. 
So the first key to becoming a blessing today is we need to respond to the needs that are already around us. Respond. And and don't put it off. Don't say that's for somebody else. Don't say somebody else will take care of it. If it comes your way, it's for you to do something with. Respond to that. Number two, next, we need to respond with compassion. We need to respond with compassion. Number two, the Good Samaritan's response was a response of compassion, a response of love. Look at what our text says again. He had compassion in one point it says, and he went to him. And so his compassion for him would not hold him back. His compassion for him would not cause him to walk away. His compassion for him would not allow him to pass by. He had to do something. And the Samaritan, he could see the suffering. He could see the pain. He was moved with compassion to do something. And he did. He went to him. Did you know that there are at least 10 times in the, the New King James Version uh, translation of the Bible where it says that Jesus was moved with compassion? In Matthew 9:36, it says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like a sheep having no shepherd. In Mark chapter 1, verse 41, after a leper came to Jesus for healing, it says, Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and he touched him. Then in Luke chapter 7, verse 13, it says that after a woman walked beside the coffin of her only son who had just died, the Lord saw her. He had compassion on her, and he said to her not to weep. And then Jesus proceeded to bring her son back to life. Just like the Good Samaritan, time and time again, Jesus was moved with compassion and then he acted. See, Christians are to be people of generosity. We are to be people of compassion. We are to be people of love, just like the Good Samaritan and just like Jesus. Amen? We respond to the needs around us. We're blessed to be a blessing. Amen? We respond with compassion to be a blessing. And number three, number three, we, we respond to practical help. Say practical. Practical help. Notice that the Good Samaritan offered practical help. He literally bandaged up the wounds. He cleaned the wounds with oil and with wine. He also set the injured man on his own animal. He brought him to an inn and he took care of him. He he even took two coins of great value out of his pocket and paid for the room at the inn for this man he did not know. And so he really did those things that would make a difference in that moment of need. That's practical help. Isn't that the help that really matters when you're in need? That really means something in the moment. See, so often, listen, I want you to hear this. And don't get me the wrong way. Often we as Christians tell people that we'll pray for them. We'll tell Christians, as Christians, we'll tell people that we'll pray for them. That's a good thing. It's it's an excellent thing to do. It's a great start. But sometimes we need to do more. See, sometimes we can be the answer to their prayer. They've been asking for lunch, something to eat. 
they've been asking for maybe help with a bill, something that's upcoming. They just don't have the finances. And, and man, you have the $60 in your pocket. But you'll pray for them. We'll pray for them. See, sometimes it takes filling the, the person's car up with gas. Sometimes it takes going to the store with them. And sometimes it takes doing their laundry for them if, when they can or, or driving them to a doctor's appointment. Sometimes it takes uh, buying the school supplies for their children or, or feeding them a meal. Maybe even just spending time with them. The practical stuff. See, the Good Samaritan, he saw what needed to be done and he did it. He reached in and he, he handed out from his own resources. The injured man touched his heart and the Samaritan responded by touching his life. Time was used. Money was used. Talent was used. Resources were used. The injured man was ministered to as a result. Practical help. James 2, 15 and 16. I love the book of James. James 2, 15 and 16, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing, say nothing, say nothing one more time, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Go in peace. Keep warm, well fed. I'll pray for you, but does nothing. Clearly, it's, it's, it's really important to respond with practical help, to be a blessing, but don't forget, number four, to respond with follow-up, follow-up help. Not only did the Good Samaritan provide practical help, but note that the Bible says, go to verse 35, on the next day when he departed. I don't know if you've ever caught that. It wasn't the same day. That means he stayed overnight. That means he cared for him through the night. On the next day when he departed, he paid the bill. But he also told the innkeeper, take care of all of his needs. When I come back, if I owe you more, I'll pay you. That's, that's how we know that what he gave the two denarii was more than enough. It was a, a substantial amount. He said, if I owe you more, when I come back, I'm giving you this. I want you to take care of this man. This man was hurting. This man was broken. This man was left for dead. But I want you to take care of him. This is what I'm giving you to house him, to feed him, to care for him. And when I come back, if I owe more, I'll pay you. And so the good Samaritan, again, he stayed overnight. He paid the bill and then some. And so then we understand that he went the extra mile. He did whatever it took to see that all of the man's needs were taken care of. That's what we call generosity. And listen, that is when we are most like our God. Galatians 6.2 says, carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Practical help is a great thing, but follow-up help is even greater still. The Good Samaritan, he made sure that all the injured man's needs were totally met, and he went the extra mile. And, and the last key to being a blessing that takes the previous four keys and puts them all together, it's been modeled for us. Number five, model your maker. 
Model your maker. Our heavenly father is a generous God, isn't he? I said our, our heavenly father is a generous God, isn't he? And like you've heard me say before, we are the most like God when we are generous just like him. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, wisdom, ask of our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. In John 3.16, we know that by heart. We know that it speaks of God loving us so much that he did what? He gave. He loved us so much that he gave. See, our God is a giving God. He gives us so much more than we deserve and we would do well to model our maker daily. Worship team, come. Do you think that if God sees us by the side of the road, beat up, beat down, that he's just going to walk by? Do you think that he's just going to leave you lying there in a ditch to tend to your own wounds because you were dumb enough to go that way or, or you did it again, you, you blew it again or he spoke to you before and you decided, no, that way is what I'm going to do and all of a sudden you fall in a ditch again. Is he just going to leave you there? We serve a loving, compassionate Go the extra mile kind of God. We should be like that too. See, in the Bible, God is often portrayed as loving, generous, and compassionate as a shepherd who watches over his sheep. In Ezekiel 34, 14 through 16, God says, Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself, God speaking, I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. God clearly cares for us, amen? He's asked us to care for our neighbor by being a blessing today. But how? How? By responding to the needs around you, by responding with compassion, by responding with practical and follow-up help, and in that way, we model our maker. Stand to your feet. Church, cross point, we are blessed to be a blessing is more than something we say. I pray that this holiday season and every day of your life that is something you live, something you are, you are blessed to be a blessing. No matter what kind of blessing, no matter what level your blessing is, it's not meant to hoard, it's not meant to hold on tightly to. It all belongs to Jesus. Amen? It all belongs to Jesus. We're blessed to be a blessing. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for the awesome Thanksgiving that many of us had. We thank you, Lord, for this, this great season of Christmas that we're going into. Uh, we know, Lord, that there's going to be the busyness of gifts and shopping and, and going here and there. But I pray, God, in the midst of our busyness that we would not lose uh, the opportunity or miss the opportunity or be blinded to the opportunities that you set right before us. That, Lord, you, you have called us to be good Samaritans. 
You have called us to, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, you have blessed us so that we can be a blessing. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would help us to remember that, that you would help us to live that. Have your way. Touch our lives. Lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Amen.